Uh, so it's going to be awesome. Uh, so we're continuing our series, Elephants in the Room. And what we've been doing during this series is we've been addressing the topics that, quite honestly, we don't like to talk about. Uh, and it's been one of those things, I think it's been really good. As a matter of fact, I was talking with Mara at the Welcome Center. We've actually sold more CDs of the sermons for this series than we ever have. The, the, the viewing, the online viewing, because we live stream our second service, and we usually have around a dozen to two dozen people watch live. And then throughout the course of the next few weeks, we usually around have, have around 100 people watch um, the, the service. Um, but the one, this week two on homosexuality, we've had over 650 views of that sermon. And so what that says to me is that you guys are, not just you, but the community is interested. They're tired of the church being intimidated and bullied. And they also, thank you, baby, and they're also wanting to hear from the church that's filled with both grace and truth. Most of the church people that make the news are the truthers, the finger pointers. And there is truth, and we need to embrace truth. But it's got to be done with grace. You know, Jesus actually says, let your conversation be seasoned with salt and full of grace. So many times our conversation is full of salt and seasoned with grace. It's backwards. And so we, we need to tell the truth, but we need to do it in such a way that's honoring others. Amen? Amen. So, I'm preaching on something else already. So this morning, we're going to talk about speaking in tongues. I mean... It's one of the most divisive things among Christian churches. You know, and you talk to different people and you get all sorts of different um, explanations and what they think. It's, it's, look, I'll be honest. Speaking in tongues is strange. It is. The idea that God would somehow empower you, enable you to speak in another language that you don't know, that's really odd. It is. And it's okay to admit that. Um, it's okay to say that's a different concept. It's unlike any other type of spiritual gift that we see in the Bible. And, and so, yeah, most people that I've found that aren't are against spiritual gifts in, active, in activity uh, you know, these days, and we'll talk about that in a moment, but they actually aren't against the spiritual gifts. They're against tongues. This is the one that really, that really bothers people the most. And, and it's because most of us have had some really bad experiences. I've been in services where I've seen people forcing others to try to speak in tongues, right? I don't know if you've ever had the pleasure of that. <laughs> it's like watching a train wreck. Oh, this is terrible. All right. Um, you, you, there, there, there are uh, people who have a holier-than-thou delivery, and they're like, hmm, I speak in tongues. Well, good for you. Let's learn how to speak in English better. You've got people, you know, if there's a tongue and interpretation um, where they give bad interpretations, you know, where they go on. It's like, that tongue was 30 seconds, but your interpretation's five minutes, sweetheart. Like, I don't, that doesn't make sense. I, I, I can't remember if I heard this if I, myself or if I heard the story, but one time someone was giving an interpretation to a tongue in a church service, and she said, and just like with, with Moses' ark, God saved... Uh, that was Noah. <laughs> Why did God tell you? Moses? Anyway, it brings up all sorts of questions. 
um, it can be embarrassing. So um, I remember uh, growing up, uh, growing up, I went to a charismatic church with my parents, and my dad would often um, give a tongue and interpretation in the church service. And, you know, when you're a kid, like, you have to establish a certain amount of cool, you know, and, and you kind of, your circle of friends. And so I'm sitting there, and, and it's quiet time during this particular church. Like, if you didn't have a tongue and interpretation, then you didn't have church, you know. And so, uh, so dad, dad starts speaking, and he starts speaking in what sounds like a Chinese language. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, Dad, you're killing me. You're killing me. You're, like, I'm going down the, the you know, the, the, the kid fame ladder right now. You're hurting me. You're hurting my cred. I, uh, and I went to Samford University, and we had a New Testament class, uh, and there was a professor there called Dr. Barnett. And, and Samford is a Baptist university, and, and Baptists typically, most of your, uh, your Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Episcopalian, uh, most of these, they, they don't, they don't uh, participate in speaking in tongues. And so this was a Baptist university, and so you know, the, the overwhelming majority of people didn't, uh, didn't necessarily believe that tongues were for today. But I remember their New Testament class, it's this class of about 60, 75 people in there and we get to the part uh, about tongues uh, and and the professor is like now just out of curiosity who here uh, might speak in tongues I'm like you've got to be kidding me right <laughs> so I because I, I do pray in the spirit and I'll explain what all that means in a moment but but so I'm like uh, raising my hand like this no one in the class except for one girl on the far side and we're like, you speak, you're, yeah, Holy Ghost high five, right? Yes. There's another crazy person. Do you, you don't handle snakes, do you? Okay, good. Yeah, oh, sweet, sweet. So <laughs> we were two out of 75 um, that raised our hands. Um, one time I was, uh, I was at a church just when I lived in Birmingham, and I was actually playing drums on the praise team. And uh, someone gave a, a tongue, which was pretty, was very common for this church. Um, and someone gave a tongue during worship, and, and they believed, as we do, and we'll cover in a moment, that you interpret that tongue when you're in church. And so I felt the Lord say, you have the interpretation. And I started sweating, and my heart's beating. And, and, but, I, but like I know, I, like I instantaneously somehow knew what that uh, person had said. It was, it was a weird feeling. So they had given me a mic um, in, my, in my drum set to sing harmony while I played, you know, to sing on the praise team while I played. And so I just used the mic... And uh, so this is quiet, holy moment. And all of a sudden I go, uh, I believe I have the interpretation of that. And everyone's looking around like, what? Because they don't see me because I'm behind the drum set. They're like, is that you, Lord? God? And I realized, you know what? You need to identify yourself if you're going to give. So, so th- these things can be weird, right? I mean, we, we have really weird experiences. Theologically... Theologically, you know, there's a lot of variation. Now, some people believe that tongues are necessary for salvation. Some Pentecostal churches actually preach that if you don't speak in tongues, you're not really saved. Now, I will go into this in more detail in a moment, but that is bull. (laughs) That's not true. You will not find anywhere in Scripture remotely close to suggesting that in order to be saved, you have to speak in tongues. That's crazy talk, all right? That's crazy talk. And so, you know, that, that's just not true at all. But at the same time, you also have other groups that say, well, tongues, speaking in tongues is of the devil. Well, what? Well, that doesn't make any sense because we actually are given instructions on how to properly speak in tongues in the Bible. Why, why would God say, yeah, speaking in tongues is of the devil? 
here's how you do it. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Right? So we know that. Now, do I believe that, that, that there's counterfeit tongues? Absolutely. I believe the devil counterfeits stuff that God has. But the counterfeiting of something actually proves that it exists. If you're going to counterfeit money, you would counterfeit something that looked exactly like a real dollar bill, $20 bill, $100 bill. Someone said, Mr. Nolan, that'll be $10. You said, okay, here's my counterfeit 20. No one's going to know. You wouldn't say, here's my counterfeit $112 bill. That should cover it. No, you counterfeit what's real. Does, is there counterfeit tongues? Absolutely. Are there counterfeit miracles? Yes. Is there counterfeit supernatural? Absolutely. And it proves that there's real supernatural. And it proves that there's real miracles. And it proves that there's real tongues. Otherwise, why would you counterfeit it? Okay? And so there's been a lot of confusion on this. And so, look, we need to lay down our traditions. Now, in this church... In this building, there as many individuals as there are, there's going to be that many opinions on tongues. There's going to be that many histories and church traditions that you were, that you, look, I encourage you this morning, go with me. I love you. I'm not going to purposely mislead you. I give you full permission to check up on me. Check every scriptural reference. Don't take what I say at face value. Do your own study. Okay? But I encourage you, lay down your tradition of what you've been taught about tongues. Whether it was good or whether it was bad. Lay it down. Let's see what the Word says. If we're, if we're Christians, if we follow Jesus, and Jesus has given us His Word, let's see what it has to say, not what our tradition has to say about speaking in tongues. Amen? Y'all ready to get started? I'm going to be going pretty fast, okay? So... Um, just want to let you know, you might want to take some notes or something, uh, and if you want my notes afterwards, I'll be happy to give you a copy, okay? So, first of all, the word for tongues, the word for tongues is glossa, is glossa in Greek. It simply means languages. So, whenever you see speaking in languages or speaking in tongues in the Bible, it just means languages. It's not something different than speaking a language. That's literally what it means, okay? You might hear sometimes when you're reading and studying about this, the term glossolalia. Glossolalia is the putting together of two Greek words, glossa, which we established means language, and lalio, which means to speak, okay? So it's a phrase that means speaking in tongues. That's all, that's all it means. It means nothing more. And see, part of the, the biggest issue with tongues is the fact that because it's called tongues, people think it's like some kind of weird, like the Holy Spirit takes your tongue and is flapping it around. I had, I had a friend uh, in, in, in school that uh, he, he, he was Baptist. Now, he, he was one of those. He was not a Christian that went to a Baptist church. He was a Baptist <laughs> that happened to be a Christian. You know what I mean? And so, and so he, you know, we would get into theological discussions in love and, you know, giving each other a hard time. But he said, you know, I want to uh, receive prayer. We were at a prayer meeting once, and, and he, he said, yeah, I'll see what happens. So I, someone's praying for him. I look over at him, and he's going, <laughs> moving his tongue like somehow that's what speaking in tongues is. And I'm like, bro, it means languages. Like, that's not a language. That's, I don't know what that is. Right, So part of the biggest weirdness about speaking in tongues is the fact that it's called speaking in tongues instead of speaking in languages. Okay? <laughs> I got her. I love it. Um, so so that, that's one of the things that, that bothers people. It sounds weird. But we know other scriptures says every tongue will confess. 
right? So it means in every language on earth, Jesus is going to be glorified. See, that's what the scripture means. And, and so, you know, we, we just need to realize speaking in tongues has nothing to do with your tongue. It means languages, okay? <laughs> the first record of speaking in tongues is in the book of Acts when believers receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay? That's when we first see it happen is the book of Acts. Later, we're giving in, we are given instructions. We'll talk about that in a second. But, but the first instance, people, and there's some references for you, okay, where people receive the Holy Spirit. It, it either says they receive the Holy Spirit or they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Acts 2 is the very first time. It says, they were filled with the Spirit and they spoke with tongues. Uh, Acts 10, no one gets hands laid on them. All of a sudden, it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit. They didn't even ask for it. And all of a sudden, they start speaking in tongues. And Acts 19, the Apostle Paul lays hands on some people and it says they were baptized in the Holy Spirit and they were speaking in tongues and they prophesied. Okay, now, let me just say something. There's certain Pentecostal charismatic groups say that tongues are the evidence of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Have you heard that before? Right? All right. Okay. Here's the deal. We see in certain, in these three scriptures, tongues were the evidence of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. There's, there's, an, there's an incident in Acts 8 uh, where Peter prays for someone people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say that tongues happened. Now, it says that you could tell something happened because Simon the sorcerer tries to pay him money for the ability to do it. So something was going on, but it's not tongues, or at least it doesn't specifically mention tongues. And, uh, and, and after the Acts 2, the first baptism of the Holy Spirit, they ask again after being thrown in prayer uh, that, that the Lord would baptize them again. And then it says they preach with boldness. Tongues weren't mentioned, but boldness was. Okay? Um, there, there are many different instances where people are filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Philip prays uh, for, uh, for someone, I forget where the reference is, uh, and they don't speak in tongues. He gets saved, uh, he gets baptized and filled with the Spirit, but no tongues are mentioned. So, look, here's the deal. I don't know why we do this to ourselves as churches. I don't know why we feel like we have to create hoops for people to jump through. Speaking in tongues is one possible evidence of the Holy Spirit baptism. It's not the evidence. It's not the evidence. Now, I've studied this at length. There's a guy I love named Randy Clark who actually has done a doctoral dissertation on this. He says the number one evidence of, of, of receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit is crying. The number one thing that happens when people receive the baptism as they've done their research, number one is crying. Uh, number two was laughing, uh, which explain that. And then on down the list was tongues. So, so based on uh, you know observational st- statistical stuff, you know, uh, crying is the number one evidence of receiving. Look, can we stop making rules for people and, and can we give them grace to receive God how they need to receive God, please? I've seen on church websites that says, we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit as evidence with speaking in tongues. Why you got to do that, dude? Why you got to do that? Why do you have to put an extra hoop for someone to jump through? Look, I am fully embrace tongues, and you'll see that in just a second. So does the Bible. But look, to, to create these hoops for people to jump through, it's just it's not right. It causes division. Amen? Okay. Our main biblical instruction on tongues is within the context of correction and instruction by the Apostle Paul. So it, it's, it's interesting. So we see tongues happening in Acts, and they're just kind of like, yeah, they spoke with tongues, or they spoke in other languages. And, and we're, okay, well, that happens. 
And then later on, in one of Paul's uh, letters to the Corinthians, he gives some correctional instructions. See, they were already all speaking in tongues in the Corinthian church. And he's like, look, you're doing it wrong. (laughs) I need to help you out a little bit. I'm not against tongues, but you need to understand if you're going to do this, please at least do it right. Okay? And so that's part of the problem with tongues is that... is that all of the information, almost all the information we have on it is within the context of correction, which immediately makes us go, whoa, I don't know if this is something I want to do because evidently it's pretty easy to do wrong. And it is. It is. Um, but we need to realize the main purpose of this passage of 1 Corinthians 14, and we'll, we'll get to it in a moment. The main purpose of this passage is order in church services. That's the whole point of 1 Corinthians 14. Chapter 12 talks about spiritual gifts. Chapter 13 talks about love, which is the fuel for all of our spiritual gifts. Chapter 14 um, then says, hey, let's deal with this issue. Y'all are going crazy during your services. Okay? Um, So that affects us. Um, Paul, the Apostle Paul, spoke in tongues. And he assumed that the readers spoke in tongues. They're actually saying in 1 Corinthians 14, 5, he, he says, I wish you all prayed in tongues. One version says, I want you all to pray in tongues. He goes, but in a church service, I I would rather you prophesy, which means to speak forth God's word. I would rather you do that in your own language so everyone can understand instead of rattling off in some language no one understands. Well, that just makes sense, doesn't it? If if I said, hey, let's go out to lunch. You're like, all right, sweet. I'm going to go out to lunch with Jamie. And we, we pull up and we, we get ready to to go talk. All right, so, uh, and and you say, "So, so Jamie, tell me what's going on at the church. And I start speaking in German. That would be a bad, I'd be a bad lunch companion. Why? Because I'm not speaking in a way that you can understand, right? I'm all about me and my delivery instead of about you and your hearing. And that's what Paul was trying to do in this chapter. He's trying to say, look, look, I I speak in tongues. Uh, He actually says in chapter 14, verse 18, he says, he goes, I speak in tongues more than all of you. He goes, I thank God I speak in tongues more than y'all. He goes, but when I'm in church... I want, to, I want to say things in a way that it ministers to people, not props me up and makes me look good, right? Wow, he's got the gift of tongues. Ooh, well, check the fruit. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. So I want you to understand, here's the other thing that goes on with tongues. People don't understand this. We have this blanket speaking in tongues, but there are actually four different types of speaking in tongues that we see, that we observe in Scripture. There are four different kinds. We're going to go over them each in detail. But there are four different kinds. So you need to be careful when you're reading different types different um, types of tongues. When you're reading about tongues in the Bible, you have to ask yourself, okay, what's the purpose of this? Who's doing it and why is it being done? Right? You can't just say speaking in tongues. Right? As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul makes a differentiation between speaking in tongues and praying in tongues. Right? So we need to know. We need to know. And each one has its own context. So let's get into that. First of all. There is the speaking in an actual language that's understood by the hearer, but unknown to the speaker. So the first type of speaking in tongues is when someone speaks in a language they don't know, but the person they're speaking to does know it. Okay? Now, that's, that's the first time that tongues were ever, ever recorded in the Bible, Acts chapter 2. Uh, that's what happened. Um, I'm going to read uh, 2, 1 through 8. And uh, I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation. I encourage you to follow along. If you don't have that translation, you can listen. It says this, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. 
Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Whoa, that sounds like fun, doesn't it? Can you imagine if a sound all of a sudden moved in this building? And we're like, uh, what's happening? Verse 4, oh, I'm sorry, verse 3. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages. I like the New Living Translation actually says languages instead of tongues. Yes. Love it. And the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Verse 5. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. It was Pentecost. They'd all descended on Jerusalem to worship. And when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. So it was loud enough that people heard it from outside and came running to see what was going on. That's a loud noise. They heard the loud noise. Everyone came running. They were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazing. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. So here we have the first example of tongues is where the believers first get baptized in the Holy Spirit and they speak in real languages, an actual language that they don't know how to speak, but someone does. Okay? So it's spoken, this type of tongues is always done in public and it's a sign to the unbeliever. And that's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, 22. It's a sign to the unbeliever. Because what did these guys do? They said, holy cow, they're speaking in my language and they're from Galilee. How do they know my language? It actually lists all the languages. And then they're like, what does this mean? And Peter preaches and 3,000 people get saved. So see, tongues was an evangelistic tool. And I've heard of this. I've never experienced this type of tongues. My dad has. He was actually in a, um, in a Bible study once, and it was a moment after worship. It got quiet, and there was a lady. I think, I don't want to mess this up. I'm pretty sure she was from Greece. And, uh, and he spoke in tongues and uh, gave the interpretation right afterwards. And we'll talk. That's the next one coming up. And, 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 and then uh, afterwards, she goes, hey, where would you learn Greek? He's like, I don't know Greek. She's like, you, you said Greek right after worship, and then you said it in English, like a perfect translation. He was like, ah, that's what this is, and she got saved. I had a friend, and when I was in college, she worked in daycare, and there was a kid uh, that was very, very, very difficult. He cried all day, every day, and he didn't speak any English. And she, she got so frustrated, as you can imagine. Uh, and finally, she was holding the baby, just crying, and, and, and he didn't speak any English. And she said, Lord, please, how can I minister to this kid? And she began to pray in tongues over the child. And immediately he looks at her and just stops. And then from that point on, like, he belonged to her. You know what I mean? And, and we don't know. I mean, I have no way of verifying this. It's anecdotal. But, I mean, she believed the Lord empowered me to speak his native language so he would be calm. So these things happen. It's a real thing and it's biblical, okay? That's the first type of tongues. But it's not the only type of tongues. There's also speaking in a heavenly or earthly language during public church gatherings, like the one we're in the middle of, as prophecy from God, okay? So this is a spiritual gift and it's specifically mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12. So we're going to make our way over there. 1 Corinthians 12. Um, and uh, it's, it's meant to be interpreted, as you'll see in just a moment. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11, it says, A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. The purpose of a spiritual gift is not for you. You don't give a gift to yourself. 
You don't buy a present for someone's birthday and then open it yourself, do you? No, if you do, you need help. All right? No. It's, it's, meant, it's meant to give to someone else. The spiritual gifts we are giving are for other people. That's why I don't believe they passed away. Why would God stop helping people? We'll talk about that more. Spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. To someone else, one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles. Another, the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or another Spirit. It's called discerning of spirits. Still another uh, person is given the ability to speak in an unknown language or speak in tongues. While another is given the ability to interpret what's being said, it's the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should get. So there are these Holy Spirit gifts that are given to believers, um, I believe, who have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I believe that's when they're activated. It's when you pray and you ask the Holy Spirit to come, not in you, but on you. And that's when they're activated, okay? And we don't have time to get into all that, but... So there are these Holy Spirit gifts, and one of them mentioned here is speaking in tongues and interpretation. Now, in another passage, he goes, do all... Prophesy? Do all have the gift of faith? Do all speak in tongues? And, and the obvious answer is no. No. Because God distributes to each one as he wills. Okay? And so in this particular type of spiritual gift, you may not operate in this at all. Now, I've given a tongue maybe five times in my entire Christian life. And I've been a Christian a long time, even though I'm still relatively young. Um, I've interpreted... A handful of times, um, including the drum set incident. Um, but I speak in tongues on a regular basis, and I'll explain how in just a minute. Um, but so this, this is, again, a public thing, and it's done. Uh, I can't read all of, just for the sake of time, I can't read all of 1 Corinthians 14 to you. But you can go back, and he, he says, verse 5, he says, I wish you all could speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you all could prophesy. Um, for prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues within the context of a church service. That's what he, this whole chapter is talking about. Unless someone interprets what you're saying so the whole church will be edified. If you skip down, he just backs up that with some examples. Verse 13, he says, so anyone who speaks in tongues should pray for the ability to interpret what's been said. Okay? So when we're in a church meeting like this, or even in a home meeting, and, and someone speaks in tongues, it's a really good idea to interpret it. Why? Because what was the point of speaking in the other language if no one knows what it means? Well, that just makes sense, doesn't it? It's a spiritual gift. If it's a gift meant to edify everyone, meant to build up the body of Christ, how can you build them up with a language they don't understand? You need to interpret what was said. Now, this is typically what a lot of us have experienced in a church setting, is where someone gives a, a tongue, you know, shondo, shondai, please tie my bow tie, and then... Someone says, thus saith the Lord, which, by the way, you don't have to say, thus saith the Lord. Um, that just kind of, I don't know. I just, to me, I'd rather just show some humility and say, all right, I feel like this is what the Lord's saying. And then say it. I mean, come on. Come on. Let's just be humble. Let's love others, right? And let's use the gifts for them, not for us, okay? So, but if, if, if there is a tongue, and we've had this here some, not very often, I, I think this type of thing is really better suited for a small group setting. 
It's kind of hard to steward. Um, you know, we're about maybe half full or so this morning. Second service will be pretty much full. It's really hard to hear people. It's really, there's got a lot of visitors. And Paul, in chapter 14, says, hey, you need to pay attention to what your visitors think. If you run them off because you're doing your own little religious exercises, you're doing the wrong thing. That's what he says. And, and so, uh, th- so in a church setting like this, when someone gives a tongue, we wait for the interpretation. And if no one gets the interpretation, I can do it by faith. Or I'm going to look to the person that gave the tongue and say, hey, buddy, you give us the interpretation. You know? I mean, it's not like a, hey, you do it. But it's just like, look, it's, it's on you. You're the one that spoke out, so ask God for the interpretation. And then as Scripture says, we judge the Spirit. So we say, Lord, is that from you? Well, if, it's a, if it says, thus saith the Lord, Jesus' favorite color is blue and he likes ice cream. Okay? Uh, probably not. Probably not from the Lord, right? Because everything that we do is anchored in the Word, Right? It's all anchored in the word. So do you understand this type of public? It's different than the actual language. This is a prophetic word from God to his people in a group setting. And it has to be interpreted. Do you see the difference? The first one didn't have to be interpreted because the hearer interpreted it because they already knew the language. Okay? All right. Third. Now this is a private. We're out of the public realm now. Now we're in private. There is a prayed, uh, there's speaking in tongues or praying in tongues. It's privately as a personal prayer language. I like, the, I like the phrase prayer language, okay? Now, uh, when you have a prayer language, it means your spirit is praying. 1 Corinthians 14, 14 actually says, when, when you're praying in tongues, your spirit prays. That's what's happening. Think of, now, we know that we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. Our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. All right, so we, our bodies are temporary earth suit while we're here journeying, you know, on earth. But our spirit is what goes on forever. It's as if your spirit has a native tongue. It's as if you and God have your own personal secret code. Did anyone ever come up with their own language or secret code when they were a kid with their best friend? Um, it, th- that's kind of what it's like. Um, it's spirit to spirit. Communication. Your spirit is praying. Bypass, it, says, it says in 1 Corinthians 14 that my understanding is unfruitful. That's the flowery way of saying I don't get what I'm saying. Why? Because it's bypassing your brain. Okay? It's bypassing your brain. And your spirit is praying. Second point is that it builds up or edifies the believer. So unlike, and, and Jude 20 actually says that. It says building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. You can look it up. Look it up. Check me. And so it edifies the believer. It actually says it in, in, in 1 Corinthians 14 as well. It says, when someone prays in, a, prays in an unknown tongue, he edifies himself. Not speak in an unknown tongue. Praise in an unknown tongue. tongue he edifies himself. It's like spiritual weightlifting. Okay? It's like spiritual weightlifting. It, 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 it builds you up. It edifies you. It helps you. It's, it's like conditioning for your spirit, man. Next, it fosters intimacy with God. Ephesians 6 um, I'll just turn there really quickly. Ephesians six eighteen says, "Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion." Well, okay, let's go home. <laughs> Pray in the Spirit at all times on all occasions. You ever you ever heard the verses that say "Pray without ceasing" in the Bible? And you ever thought, "Wait a minute, how can I pray without ceasing while I'm uh, at work? How can I pray without ceasing while I'm watching a movie?" How can I, have you ever thought that before? I mean, we're instructed to pray without ceasing. I believe one of the ways 
that we can pray without ceasing is by en- engaging our personal prayer language with the Lord. Now, I just, just so now, if you think I'm weird, I, I apologize, you know, sorry, I, I, I'm just me. But uh, I pray in the Spirit all day, every day. People ask me, Jamie, what's your, how, do you, how do you prepare for ministry? How do you prepare for sermons? Pray in the Spirit. I mean, I get in the Word. Of course I get in the Word. You know, of course I, I, I read my Bible. Of course I listen to, to you know, um, worship music and stuff. But I pray in the Spirit all the time. It puts me in constant communion and fosters intimacy with God. He wants you to pray without ceasing. How are you going to do that? How are you going to do that without a, without a personal prayer language? Lastly, I believe... I believe this is available to anyone who wants it. Mark 16, 17 says, These signs will follow those who believe. They'll pray for the sick. They'll be healed. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll, and it goes on and lists a bunch of different things. I, I believe anyone who believes, if you want this, you can have it. Okay? I, now, some, some people have, have struggled with this, and, and some people have had bad experiences, and they don't. And look, I encourage you, and we'll give you an opportunity. If you want to receive a personal prayer language, um, afterward, we're not going to do it in front of everyone and embarrass you or anything like that. We'll, we'll take you and we'll pray with you. Someone who loves you and cares for you is going to pray with you. We're not going to force you. Jesus. All right, now repeat this. Ba 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 ba. We're not going to do that. Okay. There's no one's going to ba ba ba. Black sheep. What? What? I encourage you. If you're struggling with this as a thing, um, Google. Dr. Andrew Newberg and tongues. Dr. Andrew Newberg. They actually did a study several years ago, and this is posted in a secular publication. It's not, it's not a Homer thing. Um, and, and they actually put people uh, under like MRI, CAT scans, and stuff like that while they were praying in tongues, and they just say, okay, what's happening? And they look at their brain, and the frontal lobe, the part that controls language, is like turned off when they're praying in the spirit. It's spirit-to-spirit communication. It bypasses your brain. And once again, science proves what God has already told us. It's really cool. I'm serious. Look it up. Google it. It's a really, really cool, really cool article. I got to keep going. I am so late. Holy moly. Last type is prayed as intercession. Um, it, I've got the wrong reference here. I'm going to have to fix this. Whoop. This is what happens. I do my PowerPoint too late at night. Romans 8, 26 through 27 is the right reference here. It says, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. When we don't know what to pray, he'll pray for us. Okay? Have you ever been, have you ever been just really torn up about a situation in someone's life and you just don't know how to pray for them? There is a spirit of intercession that comes on you and the Holy Spirit actually prays through you. It says, with groanings that cannot be uttered. Now, some, sometimes people like to say, well, is this a real language that can be interpreted? Or I hear, have you ever heard someone praying in the Spirit and they sound like, they sound like they're just doing like the ba 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 or something like that? Or like, it's like, you got some other syllables in there or what? Um, and, and I believe that that kind of prayer language is really more of a groaning in the Spirit than it is an actual private prayer language or something that's to be, you know, interpreted. Okay? So look that up again. I apologize. It's Romans 8, 26, and 27. Okay? All right, a couple things. Tongues have not passed away. Now, there's this, there's this idea that says that tongues have passed away. It's called cessationism. It means the gifts of the Spirit have passed away. It's based on um, 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 10, that basically says uh, when, when, when that which is perfect has come, then prophecy and tongues and knowledge will cease. The only one that people use this verse against is tongues. They don't say that prophecy ceased. They don't say that knowledge has ceased. They believe they still have knowledge or they wouldn't be quoting the Bible, right? 
So they think tongues have ceased. Guys, look, if you just read this in the easy to understand translation, it's not at all what it's saying. Um, the, the, uh, the New Living Translation, um, let me read it to you really, really quickly. It says this. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete. Even the gift of prophecy reveals only part. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. Y'all, tongues is going, to pa- is going to pass away. We are not going to need tongues in heaven. Right. Why? Because we're there. <laughs> it says when the time of perfection comes. All right. Now this is going to be a hard question. Is life perfect right now? It's not? Well, guess what? You need to get to the Spirit. They haven't passed away, okay? This is the only verse that even remotely suggests anything close to people. But yet, right after this, he gives instructions on how to speak in tongues. (laughs) Now, I just want to let you know, this is going to be passing away very soon, okay? And here's how you do it. Tongues do not overtake you. In Pentecostal charismatic circles, there's this idea that all of a sudden, well, Brother Jamie, the Holy Ghost came on me. You can tell they're Pentecostal if you say ghosts. The Holy Ghost came on me. I just couldn't help myself. Well, my friend in Christ, that is not scriptural. It says in 1 Corinthians 14, 27, it says, when you, it says, when you meet together, make sure everyone has something to do. Verse 27, no more than two or three should speak in tongues. They must speak it one at a time. Someone must interpret what they say. We're talking about the second type of public tongues, aren't we? Because we're back in 1 Corinthians 14. He says, if no one present can interpret, they must be silent in your church meeting and speak in tongues to God privately. What? So if you can't turn off tongues, why is Paul telling you to? Later on, it says the spirit of prophecy is subject to the prophet. In other words, your spirit is under control of yourself. So I know the rush of the Holy Spirit comes on some people and they feel like, oh man, I just got to begin to pray in tongues. And that's cool. That's cool. But when you're in a public setting, it's not about you. You can go do that at home, right? It's about other people. It's about loving other people. Amen? So I don't believe that tongues overtake you and you can't control it. Lastly, or second to lastly, you don't have to speak in tongues. Look, you don't have to. I will love you. I will buy your lunch, whatever. You don't have to speak in tongues. People, do I have to? No, look, if you're not ready for that, it's totally cool. I love you. Now, I, I will encourage you and ask you why. Because 1 Corinthians 14.1 says very, very clearly, it says, let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire spiritual gifts. So if you don't desire spiritual gifts, I'm saying, okay, well, what happened? What's wrong? Like something happened. So tell me what it is. We'll work through it. I mean, if you have like a, like if Jesus wanted to give you his personal cell number, would you be like, no, that's okay. I'd be like, yeah. (laughs) If the president wanted to give you his personal cell, his personal line, you'd be like, yeah, right? Well, God wants to give you his personal line through a prayer language that connects spirit to spirit. You don't want that? You don't want that? Everything we do, including tongues, especially tongues, must be motivated by love, guys. It has to be motivated by love. It's not about us. It's not about our gifts. It's about others. Um, 1 Corinthians 8, it says, Knowledge makes us feel important, but love strengthens the church. 
That's what we want to do. We want to strengthen the church, right? We want to love other people. Look, your spiritual gifts are only as good as your spiritual fruit. I don't care how talented you are supernaturally. If you don't treat people right, who cares? Through the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, right? If you aren't operating in that, you really don't have the right to operate in spiritual gifts yet. Because the love is what fuels the gift. Think, think of your gifts as a sailboat, and you've got a sail. And, and that sail is beautiful and wonderful, but you aren't going anywhere until the wind blows. Your fruit of the Spirit, how you act, God's character in you is the wind that blows the sail of your spiritual gifts. They work hand in hand. At VFC, we encourage praying in the Spirit. That's the private prayer language. We do not forbid speaking in tongues. Scripture specifically says not to forbid speaking in tongues. In First Corinthians. I mean, those are the words it says, do not forbid speaking in tongues. So if you forbid speaking in tongues, you can say you believe the Bible, but you don't. I know that's harsh, but it, I don't know what else I'm supposed to say. We don't for, forbid speaking in tongues. We interpret public tongues, and we still love you if you're weirded out. Okay? That's where we stand on this. I'd like to give you some homework. I would love to ask you to read 1 Corinthians 14 in the message. If you go to BibleGateway.com, if you have your Bible app, the Life Church app on your phone, they both have the message for free on there. Read 1 Corinthians 14 if you really want to get you know, high and mighty. Read 12, 13, and 14 to give you some context. Um, and read it in the message. I, think, I feel like he nails it. The message is a paraphrased translation of the Bible, but I feel like he really, really captures the essence of praying in tongues versus speaking in tongues and how we are to conduct ourselves. Amen? Amen. Whew, you made it through. Stand.